It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Cindy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. Please give dignity to the people. Please give dignity to the people. So you worked for the commissioner, your senior advisor. You were hired two weeks ago, and you're instructed to ask us to not have any pictures taken here. Please respect the people. Because the political rules. leadership at DHS does not want the American people to know it. Please don't treat the people. You're right, and this is a dangerous place. Please don't treat the people. And your policies, like this. That's all unfortunately, I ask for you, sir. are trying to hide them. I understand That's you were instructed. When 18 I senators came to down here, respect the people, give them dignity I respect and them and I want to fix this situation. We all want and to fix this. The administration you're working for is responsible anymore. for these conditions. Yeah, so that was a senator, Senator Ted Cruz, in a confrontation with a young chick Biden appointee who is stopping. There's 17 U.S. senators at the border, and they're there to find out what's happening in this these facilities, and the little Biden chick is there to stop them from doing that. Now, think about that. You know, there was a time when United States senators, you know, they have authority. Uh, they have actually, you know, immunity from the law because uh, because they need to. Someone, they are over the law. They're over everything in their branch of government. They have oversight. They're in charge of this. And yet, she's standing, you can see in the video, she's Put, you know, jumping around in front of him, in front of his camera, uh, in front of his phone, where he's trying to take pictures. He manages to do it anyway. And we are certainly getting reports about what's happening at the border in spite of the Biden administration stopping us from finding out. Uh, we know from one outlet that 861 criminals have been caught crossing the Texas border, at least in one area. One of them, uh, 92 sex offenders and 63 gang members, a Salvadorian man with a prior conviction for murder was discovered. That's just one section of the border. We also know that President Biden uh, has okayed the equivalent of, now, this, sit down for this, okay? Or if you're driving, you know, take a pause. He's planning to house illegal immigrants in hotels, and the average cost per person, per border crosser, is $72,000. So whose money is that? I wonder if any of you have, like, extra money to put illegal immigrants in hotels who are crossing without permission and to, and to get into this country flooding. Are you okay with that, your tax dollars being spent for that? Because that's what uh, Joe Biden is okaying, $72,000 per border crosser. That's the cost of putting them up in hotels. And, of course, uh, te several tex the Texas Attorney General, Ken Paxton, along with several other attorneys generals, I think there's 16 of them, are suing the government for uh, Joe Biden not uh, enforcing this public charge rule, which means simply we've had this in place for, for decades, for generations in our immigration law. And that is with if immigrants come into the country, they can't come in unless they can prove that they can be self-sustaining or someone is in the country already there willing to support them. 
uh, and that they cannot go on the public dole. They can't take public money. Uh, and that's been that's been the case since, you know, uh, people came through the Statue of Liberty in New York and uh, on the island there. They, they had to prove that they had someone here to take care of them who would fold them into society and give them a job. Uh, but Joe and President Trump reinstated that, started at least enforcing it, and now Joe Biden has stopped it. So what's happening? Uh, Texas and these states uh, where the, the immigrants are flooding in are having to, uh, there's, what can they do? Illegal immigrants are there, you know, sucking up the, um, the, the resources for American citizens, whether it's uh, food pantries or shelters or um, medical care and attention, because by our law, we have to give medical care to anyone that comes. These uh, emergency rooms have to do that. And so um, you can see that we have chaos on the border. Of course, President uh, Biden said last week that he, I played the clip for you where he sat at a table with Kamala Harris and said that she would be now in charge of all this. He was placing her in charge. No one could be trusted more than she. And uh, she responded to a question about something related to that uh, because she's supposed to be in charge, right? But she hasn't been down there yet. Well, neither has he. Uh, no one's gone down. It's just the Biden chick and a few other people who seem to be calling the shots. We don't quite know who. We never know. It's like the man behind the curtain. As Joe Biden tries to do a press conference it, while he's holding cards and looking at pictures of people to call on and desperately trying to find them in the room, someone is controlling this, and we really aren't sure who. But no one is controlling the border. Uh, so... Kamala Harris has asked about, you know, her taking this role of, you know, being in charge of the border, and I thought you might be interested in her response. This is clip 14. Clip 14. Uh, the border rules have been a problem, uh, an intractable problem for multiple presidents. Are you concerned at all about the political risks that come with accepting this responsibility? No. Yeah, no, no. But then uh, I have to say that she quickly followed up this week, what, over the weekend, I think, where she said she's not going to be in charge of the border. She didn't say she's changed her mind, but suddenly she's not going to do that. She said she's going to do the diplomatic efforts in Central America, but she's not going to be in charge of the border. So who is in charge of the border? Who is in charge of the border? Well, obviously, someone behind the curtain is in charge of allowing the chaos, who's just happy with things going down the way they're going down. Well, President Biden did his first press conference uh, of his new, uh, you know, what, 90 days in office, something like that. Uh, and I wanted to bring you, because we I didn't do a live show on Friday, I wanted to talk to you about that press conference. I, I don't know if you saw it, but I hope that you did so you could form your own opinions about it. It was, um, let's see, there were about 10 reporters there. It was just so strange. They were sitting at least six feet apart, if not further. And the president, of course, started calling on them. He didn't know who they were. He looked down at his notes. And we finally saw, you know, pictures that reporters that were there were able to capture. I don't know how they did this of his notes, but he had a, like a, a headshot of every reporter in the room and their names and their location in the room. And then it was numbered on which number, which order he was to call on them. And then as he did his press conference, he'd say, well, I've got that on a card somewhere. I've got that somewhere on a card. Just a minute. I mean, it, it was pretty amazing. It was pretty amazing. And, of course, the uh, reporters, the thing, one of the things that struck me was, Mr. President, 
I have to ask you if you are going to be able to, they all enunciated and they were so slow in their delivery, like they were talking to their grandfather, and they did it with great respect, just like they did with President Trump and President Reagan. That was amazing to me. Of course, I'm being sarcastic. It was nothing like that. Uh, It started out with an NPR reporter. Um, Every time they would ask a question, and almost every time, they would frame it with a complete view of the left. It was like the the White House handpicked reporters, the the Biden reporters asking President Biden questions. Uh, I'll show you what I'm talking about. Here's the NPR reporter who asked He says over and over again that immigrants shouldn't come to this country right now. This isn't the time to come. That message is not being received. Instead, the perception of you that got you elected as a moral, decent man is the reason why a lot of immigrants are coming to this country and entrusting you with unaccompanied minors. Your reputation as a decent and moral man is the reason they're coming. Now, <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, I have to laugh at Lissa's face, my sarcastic laugh, because I don't remember anybody saying anything near that. Remember how they shouted at President Trump? Remember how he called out reporters who were his opponents, uh, like CNN's uh, Jake Tapper or whoever was uh, the, the, the gadfly that was always interrupting him? He, Jim Acosta, he called on him all the time. And so... Uh, I, I, I'm going to depart from my, uh, I want to hear, I want to tell you what my thoughts were about that press conference, okay? I'm going to skip some of these clips. You'll have to take my word for it, I guess. You'll have to watch it. Uh, but I found the one thing that really alarmed me was what he said about China. He basically said, no, we don't want conflict with China. We, we just want to be their, com- we'll be their competitors. Uh, we, they want to be the first in the world, the first at everything, but we're not going to let that happen. Not on my watch, he said. Whose watch? Who's watching? He's he's just taking he's taking his sixth weekend away from the night uh, the White House. It, he's been there nine weeks. He's taken like something like twelve dozen, uh, two dozen resting days uh, since he's been in office for ninety days. On his watch, he's not going to let that happen. On his watch, that needs to be a laugh track. Well, China, of course, has a very different view of things. As I've told you repeatedly, uh, there is as serious as death about overcoming. Uh, the American, us militarily in every way. It's dangerous what's happening, but it's not going to happen on Joe Biden's watch, not to worry. And he, he also said that North Korea was his priority. North Korea is his priority, not China. No, no, nothing, nothing about that. Then uh, I, I, as I was listening to him, I thought, you know, he really hasn't changed. Now, I've watched Joe Biden for decades. You know, he is, um, he is a liar. He's been a liar since I, he is. We didn't used to be able to say that, but we we're able to say that now. It is actually true. You know, I say he comes from that era where uh, a, a politician could go all over the country campaigning and say one thing and then go to some other area and say something that was just the opposite because there weren't cameras and recordings and the minions of, you know, uh, social media and all of that. So he's from that era. So he says one thing and then he says another. And it's a complete lie. I, I have to, I just, this one just really gripped me. This was, uh, well, all right, I'm just going to have to tell you rather than play the clips. Um, he basically talked about how he got elected to do three things, and the second thing was to protect the middle class. I want to protect the middle class. Are you kidding me? What class of people do you think is taking the hardest hit with what's happening with these policies? It is the middle class. It's people like you and me uh, who work hard and pay taxes uh, and we'll have all of this stuff. We will be the ones bearing the burden. The rich will not, I'm not, a, unless I'm not against the rich, I still have to be careful of using the terms of the left. People who have money, 
and they, they, they have money, and they won't feel the pain of the increase in taxes, the increase in uh, uh, gasoline dollar, dollars, the increase in uh, utilities. They won't feel it like the middle class. And Marxism attacks the middle class. It is the middle class that they destroy. I've told you why. Because the middle class are the people in every society, whether it was China or Russia, they were the ones that could fight. They were the ones that had skin in the game. They were the ones who cared. The rich did not care. They could, they could isolate themselves. They could protect themselves. But the middle class, no. They're people who work for their living. They're people that take their, for their families. And they're also the ones who get involved politically, who uh, push back, who fight, who have a lot of grit, who own all those businesses that are being harmed. Are you kidding me that Joe Biden wants to protect the middle class? That requires a laugh track. He also said, in regard to immigration, he said, we're sending almost all of them back. He said, we're sending almost all of them back. He said that. I haven't heard anyone comment on that. That's what he said. That is an abject lie. They're letting almost all of them in. I'm not sure they're sending anyone back. According to reports that I've heard, they're not sending anyone back. They're just coming in in a stream on target to be in this country, a million more of them this year. It's the same old Joe Biden who was a liar before, and he's a liar now. He's just older. Uh, And so um, I go back to the article I read in Axios, and I shared that with you last week, where uh, the report is that Joe Biden's feeling very confident and he's very, you know, feeling a little cocky, maybe very happy that he is actually uh, being able to accomplish things that jo- that Barack Obama was never able to accomplish. In 90 days, he's gotten more done than Barack Obama with a, you know, split Congress was ever able to accomplish. And he's pretty pretty happy about that. He's pretty happy. He's just kind of boastful. So he is moving more to the left because he makes him feel really good about himself because he's getting so much done. And by the way, um, you know, Joe Manchin is supposed to be the holdout on the filibuster rule, which I don't have time to explain in this moment. I hope you've listened enough to know that that means they can pass. If they do away with it, they can pass anything they want. Nothing can stop them. There will never be democracy again in this country. So Joe Biden now is, you know, kind of like in favor of doing away with that rule, where once he was against doing away with that rule, vehemently against, but he just appointed uh, Joe Manchin's wife to some position uh, in the Biden administration, just a little sweetener. And maybe Joe Manchin might not fight the doing away with the filibuster quite so much. You could see it. It's just all there for all of us to see. Sandy Rios in the morning. Christians, they're suffering big time in Africa, and they need our help. Hi, this is Michael Woolworth with Bible League International, and Pastor Lumo ministers in Mozambique near the Indian Ocean. He's been beaten in jail not for what he believes, but for how he lives out his faith. You see, Lumo has been quietly and faithfully sharing the gospel with Muslims, and many have come to Christ in recent months. But extremists here, they have assaulted him, his family, and many in his church. But you know what? They're not asking for an end to the persecution they face. They're praying for Bibles to open and read every day, in order to be able to endure and persevere as new followers of Christ. Hey, give thanks if your pastor hasn't been beaten in jail, but please don't turn a deaf ear to these pleas for Bibles. Instead, help support the church in Africa by sending a Bible to these waiting Christians at only $5 a Bible or $100 since 20. Call 800-YES-WORD, 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 or visit sendbiblesnow.org. That's sendbiblesnow.org, and God bless you for caring. This is Pause to Pray. 
a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Avril Haines, Director of National Intelligence. She heads up the U.S. intelligence community, oversees the National Intelligence Program, and serves as an advisor to the President. Proverbs 11.14 reminds us of the importance of wise counsel. Where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Right now with this in mind, let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask for guidance for Avril Haines as she advises the President. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Pause to Pray is the service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. Virginia teachers, take the lead in education with up to 64% off your graduate degree at Liberty University. This year has forced you to innovate, adapt, overcome, and you've not only risen to the challenge, you've crushed it. Now help education emerge from this crisis stronger than ever with your MAT or MED degree. Our transfer-friendly degree programs are 100% online and start as low as $282 per credit hour. It's our thanks for all you do for our future. To learn more, text TEACHER to 49595. That's TEACHER to 49595. Phil Vischer is the creator of Veggie Tales. He's also one of those woke, never-Trump Christians. The other day, he was conducting an interview, and he lashed out at conservative Christians, said conservatives are psychologically less comfortable with uncertainty. He said, if you are a conservative, you like the comfort of certainty. That's a nice way of saying we're closed-minded. He went on to say that people who are politically liberal are more comfortable trying new things. And then Mr. Fisher made a very giant cultural leap. He compared conservative Christians to Cracker Barrel and liberals to Whole Foods, asking the question, which came first, the Cracker Barrel or the Christianity? You know, there really is nothing more repugnant than the intellectual snobbery of woke Christians. The idea that conservatives who eat at Cracker Barrel are closed-minded is about as offensive as store-bought chicken at a Wednesday night church supper. I'm Todd Starnes. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Will you commit to allowing journalists to have access to the facilities that are overcrowded moving forward. I will commit when my plan very shortly is underway. Will you commit to transparency on this issue? I will commit to transparency. And as soon as I am in a position to be able to implement what we're doing right now. Just to be clear, how soon will that be, Mr. President? President. I don't know. Well, that's NBC, uh, of course, who loves President, uh, I can't, I, what, what's his name? <laughs> President Biden. I started to say Kamala, so it was a combination. Anyway, uh, they love President uh, Biden and all things Democratic, and they did everything they could to get him elected. But can you imagine? NBC used to be a stalwart of our news industry. NBC News with whatever. I remember I used to watch NBC News when I was a kid. And they actually cared about the truth. They actually felt that their job was to report what they saw and not get someone elected or cover for their deficiencies or malpractice. It was truth that that was the business that they were in. But 
now NBC is like, well, will will you, uh, sir? Uh, now keep in mind that the Biden administration is not allowing reporters uh, to capture what's happening at the border. The things that we're hearing about are are just by the the bold and brave. Uh, some agents on the border who have been extracted for fear of being, you know, dismissed, uh, not to talk to press or release anything. We have a Democratic congressman down there who's very upset, and he's releasing pictures of what's happening at the border, but not the press. Oh, no, no, not the press. They're asking President Biden, their their idol, their champion, their, their uh, victory medal, I guess. is They got him elected. Good for them. They're asking him... Uh, sir, when will you um, allow us to, you know, go down and cover the border? Well, will will that be soon? Well, do you know when that might be? And President Biden, you know, uh, King Biden says, I don't know. And they just drop it. That's okay. Gosh, I, I wonder if that's the way they would be with uh, another president or well, anybody that's conservative. Really? No, I don't think so. I really don't think so. And uh, just to illustrate that, if you don't believe me, if you think, oh, yes, they would do that for President Trump or uh, whatever president you might want to fill in the blanks with, uh, any conservative, maybe any, any conservative congressman on the border, that they would say, oh, well, all right, if you don't want us to cover it, we'll just wait till we have your permission. Um, Kamala Harris was asked about this, and this was back, I think, in 2015. It's when President Trump... Uh, was, of course, the president. She was asked about what she thought about the press, well, about what's happening at the border. And just listen carefully to what she says at the end, clip 15. Have the events of the last week made it hard for you to yeah, do that? Have. It's been, this has been a rough week, I think, for a lot of us. And I, you know, I will say that, I mean, I said this to a group I was speaking with recently. Um, thank God for a free and independent press. You know, all these folks being down in, in Texas and here in California and at the border and, and, and giving the American public um, a close-up look at what's really happening as opposed to the rhetoric coming out of this administration. But when you see what's happening, it, it is heartbreaking. Um, I love my country. And this is not reflective of who we are. Well, I, well, so, uh, well so the same thing's happening now, only much worse. And you are in charge, Mrs. Harris, Vice President Harris. And is this who you are? You won't even go down. You won't even go down to the border. And you're fine. You you're talking about how thank God for a free press. At the same time, your administration is telling the press they can't go down there. They can't take photos. They can't interview uh, border security guards. They can't they can't cover it. You're going to wait and give them permission. Uh, meanwhile, I think you're just not there. In fact, there's an article in Fox News. You know Fox. Oh, Fox, what do we do with Fox? They really turned south during the election, but now they're, I think, maybe some of their reporters and some of their people, I know, uh, we're now down with that. Uh, but now they're having to report the disaster that they created, and they did create it. Yes, they did. So now Kamala Harris has been uh, gone on record publicly. I, I'll, I'll tell you what she's concerned about. Now, remember, she hasn't been down to the border. She doesn't plan to go down to the border, even though she's in charge. According to President Biden, she's in charge of what's happening at the border. But she's, um, well, let's see. I'll read it from Fox here. Even after President Biden officially tapped the VP Wednesday to lead in response to border challenges, there aren't any plans for her, travel, her to travel south or even address the issue. According to the office of the vice president, Harris had no events this past weekend and no mention of border-related activity. What is she doing? 
Well, I tell you one thing she's been doing. She's been complaining because the renovations to the vice president's residence, which is the uh, observatory, Naval Observatory formerly, have been going slowly. She's very upset about that. They're having to stay uh, in the uh, uh, Blair House, which is across from the White House. And she's a little upset about that because her second gentleman, Doug Imhoff, and her are having to live there while these renovations are going on, and she's having to live out of a suitcase. She said that. She's very upset about that. So she's very upset about that, but the border, uh, well, you know, I guess uh, not, not, you know, not taking time to even pay attention, and she's in charge. I, it's a, it is really um, a frightening situation, and it reminds me of what uh, an allegation I am. And this is an allegation. I know that it is. I've said this before. Uh, I, I believe Kamala, I, I think it's very interesting that Kamala Harris is all about marijuana. She's told us that. I played the clip for you last week. But she thinks it brings people joy. It brings people joy. And she claims she hasn't smoked it in a long time. Oh, no, of course not. Not currently. Uh, and yet I think her laughter is odd. I heard there was some psychologist trying to uh, analyze the laughter. I think it's, look, we have on record that she she thinks marijuana brings a lot of joy, and she has smoked it. But, of course, on record she said, oh, not now. That was a long time ago. But uh, her irregular and unusual laughter makes me wonder. That's all I can say. It makes me wonder. So someone did a montage, and I want you to listen. This is clip 16. Here's your vice president, Kamala Harris. Do you plan to visit the border? Uh, um, not today. <laughs> to fill the vacancy created by the resignation of former Senator Kamala D. Harris of California. <laughs> You're considered the most liberal United States senator. I, I somebody said that, and it actually was Mike Pence on the debate stage. But yeah, <laughs> one of the biggest dilemmas for any of us as a parent is what to do about our kids in school. And we all want them to go back to school. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes. It was a debate. <laughs> Not everybody landed punches like you did, though. It was <laughs> a debate. <laughs> all right, so there's your vice president. While all these things are happening uh, in the country, she's worried about the renovations on her house, uh, her vice presidential mansion, and not going to the border, and yet that's her job. Uh, Joe Biden is taking off every weekend. He's taking all these days off in the White House, 12 so far. In the 90 days he's been, I'm talking about days beside the weekend. Rest days, they call them, something like that. So who's doing what? Who's doing what? I read an article just last week that said that no one really is in charge, except for these radical uh, radicals that he's putting over the agencies that they're just turned loose to do what they want to do. And that may be true. I don't know. I honestly don't know. I'm, and I'm really, I'm really surprised that um, people that I know who are in the know still don't know. It's like that none of us really know who's really calling the shots. And we're not sure if someone is calling the shots or if it is these various radicals. They're all on the same page in terms of where they want to take the country. And I guess Joe Biden and Kamala are just happy to go along for the ride as long as they have the benefit, the mansion, you know, the repairs and the redecoration of the house. And uh, Joe can take his vacations and go on Air Force One and can stand and boast. I want to say another word about him boasting, feeling boastful about all he's accomplishing as compared to Barack Obama. See, remember, in case you don't remember this, that Barack Obama uh, was was critical of Joe Biden 
and did not endorse him when he wanted to run for president. I don't think he ever, maybe just the last few weeks or the last month he endorsed him. Uh, but Joe Biden, on the other hand, on the campaign, no, the campaign basement, in the campaign basement, continued to invoke Barack, my, my brother Barack, my friend Barack. When we were in the White House, we did this, we did that. And so, uh, but Barack Obama wasn't having it. He did not endorse uh, Joe until it was obvious that he was going to get the nomination. And uh, I suspect there might be some resentment there. I don't know. Call me crazy. Uh, but um, And Barack said some actually very uh, derogatory things about Joe Biden. <laughs> of course, Joe Biden <laughs> said some derogatory things about Barack Obama. Wait, remember, he said he was, uh, he was pretty good for a black guy. He was clean and articulate. You remember him saying that? I remember it. It was it was amazing, uh, yeah. So I think there's bad blood, even though they they yuck it up in public, you know, because they all they have the same goal, you know, deconstruct and uh, completely t- radically transform the country. Joe is the useful idiot in this. I'm sorry, that's a term from the left. It's not a personal term. It's called a useful idiot. It's the person who goes along and is very useful uh, to the cause. So. Um, so that's why I think he's very happy, Joe Biden, that he's accomplishing so much because, uh, you know, Barack didn't support him. And now he's like showing him, I'll show you I'm doing more than you did. It's the way it is. It's just, uh, it's lovely to watch. It's lo- at the expense of this country, at the expense of our future, at the expense of our children. Uh, we get to watch it all. We have a front row seat. So uh, I always talk about COVID, don't I? And so one of the things that uh, happened, which is Robert Redfield is no longer the head of the CDC. <laughs> Robert Redfield is the person I did not trust at all. Um, and I uh, remember that Deborah Burke said at one point, I don't trust anything coming out of the CDC. He was a, he was a political hack. Well, he's gone now. Uh, he's been removed and replaced by someone else. And he made some very interesting remarks just a few days ago about the origination of the COVID virus. Let's listen. If I was to guess this virus started transmitting somewhere in September, October in Wuhan, that's my own view. It's an only opinion. I'm allowed to have opinions now. You know, I am of the point of view that I still think the most likely uh, etiology of this pathogen in Wuhan was from a laboratory, um, you know, escaped. Uh, Other people don't believe that. That's fine. Science will eventually figure it out. It's not unusual for respiratory pathogens that are being worked on in a laboratory to infect the laboratory worker. That's not implying any intentionality, you know. It's my opinion, right? But I am a virologist. I have spent my life in virology. I do not believe this somehow came from a bat to a human, and at that moment in time, the virus that came to the human became one of the most infectious viruses that we know in humanity for human-to-human transmission. Normally, when a pathogen goes from a zoonote to a human, it takes a while for it to figure out how to become more and more efficient in human-to-human transmission. I just don't think this makes biological sense. Let's just say I have coronavirus that I'm working on. Most of us in the lab, we're trying to grow a virus. We try to help make it grow better and better and better and better and better and better so we can do experiments and figure out about it. I, that's, that's the way I put it together. Yeah, that may be the only time we've ever heard Robert Redfield be completely honest about what was happening. And he says that he thinks it was grown in the lab in Wuhan, China. And uh, further information that I got in the last few days um, was that Dr. Fauci, and I've heard this, but I just hadn't reported it to you, uh, that Dr. Fauci was very involved 
in uh, there was there's a kind of research where you do uh, blend humans and animals, uh, and you try to you try to infect a, a human. They use fetuses. Uh, you try to infect them with animal viruses so that you can experiment and learn. That's the idea. Uh, but it was that particular kind of research was banned in this country, and so my understanding is Dr. Fauci uh, outsourced it to Wuhan, China, where they were using fetuses uh, to try. I don't know if they used bats or what animals there. I guess it was bats. I'm not sure. I'm giving you the general. Certainly, it's a very general explanation. Uh, but this this cross pollination of human virus to uh, to animal virus to humans was again out loud in this country. And tax dollars went to Wuhan to do this, is my understanding. So uh, Dr. Fauci is up to his little neck in this stuff, and uh, I found it very interesting that um, over the weekend he actually was on a, t- a CNN special. I wish we had the clip, and this is what he said. When I saw what happened in New York City, almost overrunning of our healthcare systems, and that's when it became very clear that the decision we made on January 10 to go all out and develop a vaccine may have been the best decision that I've ever made with regard to intervention as the director of the Institute. So Dr. Fauci is the one who decided to develop this vaccine. It's not, it wasn't President Trump who made it happen. It was Dr. Fauci. It's just amazing. This is a complicated issue. Uh, you know how I have warned you about the vaccine, and I stand by that, those warnings. I think we have to be very careful. I'm, I'm very concerned about it. But I think given the circumstances uh, in which they were operating, Fauci was not an innocent partner in this. I, I don't excuse him. He seems to have a lot of knowledge about this and seemed happy to let those experiments go forward and seemed happy to know that the COVID, vac- uh, COVID virus might have been developed in this lab in Wuhan in the fall and remained silent about it, but seemed pretty happy about the development of a vaccine, which uh, he's worked with Bill Gates for years, uh, to develop uh, some kind of vaccine to game, you know, what would happen if some virus was let loose on the planet. Uh, and uh, there's a lot to be gained by that for people who want to make money and see humans uh, the population thinned out. I don't know if uh, Dr. Fauci is one of those, but he's very close to Hillary Clinton, and she's one of those. Uh, so it's just really tragic what's happened to the world. And uh, the mad scientists are in charge, and we are the very definite not beneficiaries. By the way, the Biden regime is developing their vaccine passport. Washington Post just re- reported it, and you can believe we'll be talking more about it. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. On the next Today's Issues. We appreciate hearing from you. You can send us an email at comments at AFR.net. I pastor a small church, so I have to have a full-time job on the side. Uh, when I try to feed the flock, y'all feed me, and I thank God for y'all. If you want to uh, watch the show live, you can go to Facebook or YouTube. Just type in Today's Issues, and you can also access the stories that we talk about. Don't miss the next Today's Issues. Weekday mornings at 11 Eastern, 10 Central on American Family Radio. Near the end of his ministry, Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem. After that turning point, every story he told, every miracle he performed is a step towards the cross. I'm Charles Morris. Join me this week for our Haven Today programs called The Journey to Jerusalem. 
Haven Today, weekday mornings at 4.30 Central on American Family Radio. Listen online at AFR.net. But evil men and imposters will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Columbia University is slated to hold six segregated graduation ceremonies, in addition to its school-wide ceremony, based on ethnicity, income, and sexual orientation. Yep, you heard me right. The segregation celebrations listed include a Latinx graduation, the Black graduation, the Asian graduation, the Native graduation for Native American students, the Lavender graduation for the LGBTQIA+ identified, and an FLI graduation for first-generation and or low-income community students. This is textbook regressivism. What's wrong with these people? Who in their right mind would think segregating graduation ceremonies like this would make life better in America? Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Brian Fisher here with today's Life and Liberty Minute. Regressive evangelicals seem to think the Bible is all about open borders, but it's not. When Israel approached the Promised Land, Moses asked the kings of Edom and Moab for permission to pass through their territory on the way to Canaan and was denied twice. What did Moses do? Did he invade their land or sneak across their borders? No. Exodus says he went around the land of Moab and the land of Edom. Borders around countries are God's idea, not man's, and are to be respected. When we protect our sovereign borders from an invasion of illegal aliens who enter without our permission, we are following the template laid down by God himself in his word. There is nothing wrong and everything right about insisting that the peoples of other nations honor and respect our borders, and God agrees. Catch Brian Fisher on Focal Point, weekday afternoons at 105 Central on American Family Radio. This is Frank Gaffney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Ominous storm clouds are unmistakably gathering in the Western Pacific. In recent weeks, America's mortal enemy, the Chinese Communist Party, has exhibited an increasing aggressiveness across a broad front. For example, the throwdown in Alaska, in which top Chinese diplomats insulted their American counterparts and our country, has been accompanied by indicators of belligerence to come, including intensifying aerial and naval exercises targeting Taiwan, preparations for another fortified bastion in the South China Sea, and the construction of a huge heliport suitable for launching lightning airborne assaults across the Taiwan Strait. The question occurs, did President Biden in his two-hour conversation with Xi Jinping last month say something that encouraged the Chinese dictator to believe the United States would countenance such threatening behavior or worse? Americans have a need to know and an opportunity to take corrective action. Show us the transcript. This is Frank Gaffney. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Okay, Sandy Rios back with you. I hope you had a good Sunday yesterday. I hope that uh, those of you that are believers in Jesus were in church yesterday worshiping. I hope that your churches are allowed to do that. By the way, in uh, Washington, D.C., the uh, the limitations that they had placed on worshipers have been, uh, have been uh, I got to find the language here, because of the fight that the uh, Catholic Archdiocese put on uh, back, pushed back in D.C., uh, their discriminatory 250-person cap and 25% limit on church services are ending just in time for the Easter season. 
And so uh, thank God for that. And uh, D.C. is going to join. There are 37 states now that have no numerical or percentage caps. You know, I would just encourage pastors, you know, stop thinking that the government has a right to say anything about what you do in your church. There is a separation of church and state. It's not written in the law, but it is implied. Uh, there was a, there's freedom. You guys uh, are not under the rule of Caesar on how you operate your church. Um, maybe, you know, th- so I just think that you need to stop and think about what you're allowing. Uh, and I hope you were able to worship. We are, I'm so grateful. I have a church that meets. Uh, we, we're not masking. We're, I'm, people can mask if they want, but no one seems concerned about it. The worship was just wonderful yesterday. People just started singing. I, I feel that like God is kind of quickening the spirits of people right now uh, for his people, just kind of like drawing them. And it's, and that's a wonderful thing to see. I was on the worship team and as, I just felt like the people were the ones leading the worship yesterday. Not, not, I will just say for myself on the team. Uh, they were so filled with the Spirit. It was just wonderful. So I hope that you did not miss that by staying home in your pajamas because you won't get the same thing at home. And uh, I don't understand the mystery of it, but God wants us to be together. He does. And maybe we could understand the mystery of it if we see, if we just examine the damage it's done to us not to be together. Oh, I think that some people, of course, when it comes to church and watching online, have, uh, you could, I'd probably ask a lot of you and say, well, we've really enjoyed it. It's been fun. But I don't think that you're thinking long-term about the effects on you and your heart, your life, uh, and how isolation makes you selfish. Uh, isolation takes away your, the God's ability to whittle away at your character as you interact with people. I could say this as a, I know this personally because I've, my own life and my, my, uh, my ministry has isolated me from being uh, really involved in regular church participation for a number of years. And it did do harm to me long term. I think my I think it's very important. So when the Bible says you shouldn't forsake the assembling together, it meant it and you should take it seriously regardless of how happy you are to be in your pajamas and drink your coffee. Okay. Uh, by the way, we are gathering stories to play in our spring charathon and we'd love to hear from you. And this is your chance to call in and talk about what AFR Talk has meant to you. All you have to do is call 877 877- That's 877-876-8893. And uh, it's an automated system, so no, there won't be a person there. And you can pre, you can re-record. There's a, there's a little way to do it, a button to push. If you think you've flubbed it and you want to do it again, it's there. You can do it. So, and then we'll play those stories during our share-a-thon. It's fun. And I invite you to join us with, by doing that. It's 877-876-8893. I also want to mention our marriage, family, and life conference. I talked to Michael Brown on Friday. I think it was well last week, maybe Thursday. Uh, the conference is June 24th through the 26th. It just sounds phenomenal to me. I have to tell you, they have a, a track for your kids, uh, ages 4 through 17. Uh, Michael Brown will be there. Of course, Mike. if Mike were there by himself, it would be a phenomenal conference, but there are a lot more people coming, too. And you can register at marriagefamilylife.net, marriagefamilylife.net, and there's an early bird discount that ends on April the 1st. So marriagefamilylife.net, the dates are June 24th to the 26th. And so uh, so there you go. I hope that you'll do that, all right? Um, okay, so a, a huge story that's happening, and I really kind of neglected it, mostly because I just keep wanting to have lots of time to spend on it, and that just never happens. So we're going to jump right in, and that's this whole issue of what's happened with uh, transgenderism. 
I want to start this by saying, just to give you an example of what's happening in our schools, a transgender student has just won $300,000 in a settlement from a school district for being barred from using the boys' locker room. Uh, This is a girl who wants to be a boy, and so she was not able to use the locker room, and so she sued. This is in Minnesota, and she won that. Uh, so uh, $300,000. And so it, it, Minnesota's going further now, and it's from this suit, is developing a policy to allow every student to use all facilities consistent with their gender identity. Now, you know what that means. That means that all the bathrooms, the changing rooms, if a boy thinks he's a girl, there will be no barriers. This is what's happening. This is what's happening to our children. So keep that in mind. That's just one part of it. Uh, and it all kind of goes back to... Of course, the marriage debate, which took place when I was, I can't tell you how much of my life I spent fighting that a lot. A lot of my heart, my prayers on my knees, it was a fight I fought really hard, and it's a fight we lost. Um, so Colorado Baker, Jack Phillips, has really been on the front lines on that. He's the one that was asked, it was 10 years ago. He won a case uh, before the U.S. Supreme Court based on this. He had Masterpiece Cake Shop in Colorado, in which he was asked to bake a cake for a gay wedding, and he refused, and he was in court for something like 10 years. Uh, the, the court finally did rule in his favor, but they did a very what we call a very narrow ruling uh, where they accused the Civil Rights Commission in Colorado of uh, religious discrimination or something to that effect. So they didn't really rule on the issue itself. And everyone said at the time, this is going to come back again. And lo and behold, it did. And so I want you to hear this report from Fox before I say more about it. Clip 9. Same Civil Rights Commission that came after me the first time is now coming after me again. Masterpiece cake shop owner Jack Phillips finding himself in a familiar position tonight, fighting the state of Colorado over his religious beliefs. This go-around, it's all about his decision to decline a transgendered woman a celebratory transition cake last year. I believe God made male and female. That's what the Bible says clearly. We don't get to choose. We don't get to change. Phillips earlier this summer won his six-year case in front of the U.S. Supreme Court. In 2012, he denied this Denver gay couple a same-sex wedding cake. Phillips tonight believed the Supreme Court ruled he could say no to transgendered people too. The Supreme Court ruling was clear that they were hostile to my faith and that they can't do that. Of course, many in the legal community disagree. The court said that it's important for states to have non-discrimination laws. Daniel Ramos is with One Colorado, an LGBTQ advocacy group. He says the high court did not give Phillips the authority to say no to anyone. The Colorado Civil Rights Commission clearly agreeing with that, filing these papers against Phillips just days after the Supreme Court ruling. In that way, he couldn't deny or shouldn't have denied a transgender woman. There are major differences in this new case and the old one, however. The ACLU and One Colorado are not involved. The transgendered woman is not doing media interviews, at least not yet. And the woman called requesting the cake the same day SCOTUS agreed to hear the wedding cake case. Governor Hickenlooper is named in the Phillips lawsuit. We asked him about it today. Why is the state going after him again? Does the state have a vendetta against the baker? Certainly, I can't imagine we have a vendetta against anyone, but it seems to me that you shouldn't be able to withhold your services or your products from somebody else based on their religion. Yes, but that's not what happened. That's not what's happening. They're asking him to violate his own conscience, and that's where you're protected. That was a very big deal for our founding fathers, that you had a right to your own conscience. 
on issues, that you could not be forced to violate your conscience. But uh, but Jack Phillips, they're trying to get him to violate his conscience. I want to tell you, there's a, there's a lot we could say about this, but Jack Phillips, uh, in an interview in November 2020, said that um, this attorney, Scardina, Autumn Scardina, is the one who wanted him to bake this cake in honor of her gender transition. And Scardina told him if the case were rejected or dismissed, she would be back the next day to request another cake order and then sue me and charge me again. And actually, actually uh, there, further than that, in an, in an email to him, this Scardina, the attorney, uh, asked for another cake where it was Satan smoking a marijuana joint, uh, and that's what she threatened to do again. It's, this is how vile it is, and I think that, that, that nice report doesn't catch how vile it really was. Jack says in this interview, there's been so much time lost, not to mention the strain. I'm earning a living for my family. We went from employing 10 people to just two full-time employees. That's Phillips and his daughter. As a husband and a father, it was incredibly difficult to watch my wife in deposition and in trial where opposing counsel was grilling her and trying to trap and trick her. And you just have to sit there and watch it play out, both my wife and my daughter. And so this is what's happening with Jack Phillips. Uh, and, the, and the, look, when Joe Biden tells me that he's protecting the middle class, you remember Jack Phillips. Will you remember Jack Phillips, this cake baker, who is a Christian who does not mistreat people or not refuse to serve people who are transgendered or, or gay or whatever, but it's the message on the cake that violates his conscience. That's where he has had to draw the line. Uh, and uh, you can imagine what's going to happen. I just, it's, I, I can't see it. Um, I, I don't know. And by the way, just uh, some follow-up on this. Idaho uh, was the first state to, to stop transgender athletes from being on female sports teams. Uh, but their case was thrown out, and so they are no longer the first state. It was Mississippi then that became the first state. But now Arkansas has become the second state to ban transgender athletes from female sports, uh, Tennessee has now become the third state uh, to do that. There are something, I think, like 20, 20 something states that are planning on doing Yeah, 20 states. So, um, so Tennessee has also done it, and Governor Bill Lee in Tennessee has just signed that. He said um, he felt it would destroy women's sports if they allowed transgenders to, to compete in the, in the sports. Um, and that brings us to Christy Noem, who I did not comment on last week, and I'm going to run out of time. This is going to deserve a lot more time. Christy was on with um, Governor Christy Noem, has been a favorite of mine. She's the governor of South Dakota. She has been phenomenal on COVID restrictions and on keeping her state free, um, but not so phenomenal on the transgender issue. She did an interview with Tucker Carlson last week in which she defended her, her failure. Her legislature passed a bill that would stop transgender people from uh, are transgender females from pr- participating in uh, women's sports. Uh, well, she refused to sign it, but she basically stated it in such a way that she made herself sound like a champion in defense of women. Uh, so in other words, she said, if I sign this, I will be, according to legal experts, I'll be opening myself up to all these lawsuits. The NCAA will come after us, and I just can't do that. But it's really not true what she said. What she said is not true. Uh, Tucker did not believe her. It was a really incredible back and forth. I know he's been uh, really uh, giving her a lot of airtime for the good things she's done in her state. And it was a uh, boy, it took a lot of integrity for Tucker to just hang in there. I thought, I mean, it sounds, yeah, I think that's what we should be doing. 
Uh, but according to an article by Joy Pullman, I've known Joy for a number of years, uh, she, I'll, I'll read the title of this article to you. Christy Nome running the Mike Pence play to help leftists control the culture. And she goes into the details of what Christy just did. She was dishonest about what she was doing. Uh, she knew that this legislation was being passed uh, in her legislature, and she actually was a cheerleader for it uh, early on. And then, according to her, in her Tucker Carlson interview, she got legal advice that uh, it would invite all kinds of lawsuits, uh, that she couldn't fight the NAA, uh, the, um, the, yeah, so <laughs> you can tell I'm not into sports very much. Whatever that group is that controls sports, it's not the NAACP, I'm sure of that, NCAA. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so uh, she is talking about that they're going to come after her, but that's not really true. And then we look at this. Joy goes down into the weeds, and she finds that there are two uh, attorneys who are close to Christy Nome and officially on her staff. The chief of staff is Tony Van Huizen, a lawyer who sits on the board of the Sioux Falls Chamber of Commerce, which the Chamber of Commerce listed this bill that would stop transgender females from committing, uh, competing in women's sports as their top tier one priority to oppose in the legislative session. And he's, uh, he sits on the board of that. Also, she has a top advisor named Matt McCauley, who's a lawyer and lobbyist, whose clients include Sanford Health, which owns Sanford Sports Complex, a Sioux Fall arena that hopes to lure NCAA attorneys. Also, uh, the uh, Sanford Health performs transgender treatments on minors, according to testimony before the South Dakota legislature in 2020. Those are the two attorneys that are closest to her, and the, the speculation is, is that who she's listening to? But she, the bottom line is she's being dishonest about what she actually just did. Uh, she's pre- presenting herself as a champion for women's uh, rights to compete uh, free of, of males competing in their events, uh, and she's not actually doing that. She's caving to the transgender movement, and that just makes me uh, sick. And the, the Mike Pence is part of this I can't get to. It's just that some things he did in Indiana did the same thing. He did one thing and said he was doing another. I saw that myself, and that's what was my first clue to be really concerned about, Mike. Uh, but this article is uh, in The Federalist. Christy Noem running the Mike Pence play. We'll put it on our Facebook page. Sandy Rios in the morning, AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.